Tonight, Team 10 is getting an exclusive look at the dark web. It's the internet below the internet, where all of your personal information is bought and sold. This is C-Suite, the podcast where you'll hear stories from real people, leaders, and cybersecurity experts about how to stay connected and protected. Every episode, we'll explore different cyber challenges and highlight the many ways we can enhance our online security, reduce the likelihood of attacks, and improve our digital confidence. I'm your host, Claudette McGowan. The Dark Web. A mystery to many and invisible to most. For decades, the public has had preconceived notions about the dark web, mostly rooted in crime dramas and sensational stories. In reality, the dark web is much more complex than that. And on today's episode, we're going to explore exactly what it is, how it works, and what individuals and organizations need to know about it. To get started, I sat down with Matt Wachinski, Vice President of the Global Threat Intelligence Group at Cisco, Talos to learn the basics behind the dark web. I think to explain the dark web, we have to think about how uh, we interact with the web today. So we have what is called kind of like the visual web or the known web. When you go to Google and you type in, you know, something that you want to buy or someplace that you want to go or a travel website, you know, Google knows where those things are. And then there's other places on the internet that have never been indexed. No one can see them and they're locked away. And then there's kind of the in-between, which is like the gray world, which would be like a Facebook where only certain things are indexed, but until you log into that website and go deep into it, you can't see all the content. So when we talk about the dark web, the dark web is these places that are not indexed on the internet, aren't easy to find. When you do find them, you have to then get into them somehow, usually through other people who are already there who can you know, vouch for you to allow you into this community. And then sometimes these things are hidden behind, you know, VPNs or anonymous services where you actually have to know a bunch of other technology to be able to reach them. And so if you think of it sort of like an iceberg, you know, the visual web that we interact with today is the the big part of the iceberg that's above the surface. And that dark web is the stuff that lurks underneath the water that most people don't know is there. Unlike popular search engines, the dark web includes anything on the internet that hasn't been indexed. While it technically exists for anyone with a Wi-Fi connection, you need special configurations and authorizations to access it. And before you can even access the dark web, you have to find it. I asked Azim Hojabayev, Senior Intelligence Analyst at Cisco, why the dark web is so much more difficult to find than the regular internet. So the way the search engine works, for example, is what it does is it crawls the internet and indexes it. So what what that basically means is it looks for all the websites that are available um, that it can, and then collects information on it, stores it, and allows people to quickly look it up. But because of the infrastructure of the dark web, the way that the technology works is that a regular web crawler 
and a collection, you know, that method of indexing simply will not work. So they take advantage of that. And by they, I mean the bad guys that establish these platforms and allow folks to get in. The second part is the vetting process. That vetting process is pretty restrictive, so it allows people to close off their conversations to the people that they've trusted. So while there are abilities for the good guys to get into these or get bypass these vetting process, it is still a challenging process to do. In my experience, we have a saying that there is no such thing as 100% anonymity. So in essence, yes, there is a way for a person, group of people, or an organization to dedicate or coordinate throughout the world with many, many other similar organizations and leverage all the information and intelligence that they have in order to mitigate or interdict somebody. However, that takes quite a lot of resources and quite a lot of coordinating to do, and they're only limited to places that are uh, at the top of their list. So that pretty much leads to things that are national security related or violence related or terrorist related. Because of that, bad guys take advantage of that as well. So they fly under the radar knowing that there's only a limited amount of human resources that can address it. So what exactly does the dark web mean for everyday people? To find out, Azim told us about a real-life scenario that happened to him involving a ransomware threat actor from Russia who contacted him on social media. What happened was a ransomware operator attacked a victim and they were unable to get a response from the victim. And ransomware operators rely on that response. So because of that, what that ransomware operator did was actually reach out to me directly on social media, along with other security researchers, hoping that we would initiate the process of notifying the victim and then the victim would subsequently respond to them. While we have to do that as part of our research and our process that intelligence analysts do, we did that. But because of the initial communication directly with us, we took advantage of our native capability in speaking in Russian and directly reached out to the person. The reason Russian was used is because we did a little bit of research on our side and realized that this threat actor spoke in Russian. And we found this evidence on the dark web. So after establishing contact, we were able to leverage partnerships and some intelligence collection that we've done on our own and established contact directly with them, started conversation and offered uh, an opportunity for them to tell their side of the story. To our surprise, they were keen on taking that opportunity. So we established several what we would call interviews where our conversation lasted for hours. And we obviously established a few ground rules where we would not talk about, we would not reveal his direct identity to the public to avoid doxing. We would not reveal anything he would ask us not to reveal. So after doing that, we held uh, all these interviews. They revealed quite a bit to us about how they pretty much have acquired the skills to do so, how they enter ransomware partnerships, how they identify victims through either doing research on their financial operations and financial capabilities, and then subsequently go into finding if they can take advantage of any vulnerabilities in their cybersecurity posture. And it was eye-opening in other ways where the human side 
that the threat actor had, for example, was pretty normal. And what I mean by that, they led almost a double life. They accessed the dark web on their own to, you know, make contact with ransomware operators, to do research, to collect all this information on victims, for example, and then would be at the same time worrying about their family struggles, their bills to pay, feeding kids, for example, and things like that. So these folks are just like you and me in many ways, but at the end of the day, they choose to do bad things. And the dark web is where they find all the information that they need to do that. Is it possible that dark web criminals, like the one who contacted Azeem, are regular people like you and I? I asked Azeem to dive a little deeper into this threat actor's behavior. What was really revealing to us is the behavioral aspect of the way the threat actor processed their actions. This threat actor wanted to sell to us the idea that they had a moral compass that restricted them from attacking certain sectors or organizations. This included healthcare, schools, or anything that they personally deemed would not be productive or attacks innocent people. But based on our evidence and our intelligence partnerships, we 100% knew that this threat actor did attack healthcare organizations and educational organizations and was pretty much lying to us. So we found that pretty interesting that they wanted to sell this image to us that showed us that they kind of... uh, They wanted our opinion of them to be positive and then still doing the bad things that they promised that they never have done. So it's this dichotomy of the operational side of these threat actors. They're somehow able to remove themselves from the everyday life that, you know, exposes you to the world and then click on this switch and are able to go into this dark web realm and operate almost on a different kind of mental note or wavelength. As the internet in general is kind of a representation of the hive mind of the human brain, as soon as humans, regular folks, establish anywhere, whether it's a new neighborhood or historically, say, a colony or a city that's built, the human emotions, the human side of things forces people to have these experiences and bring along the bad stuff as well. So if you create any kind of platform for regular people to use, there's going to be bad guys immediately there that take advantage of it. And that's exactly what happened. We see that in social media today. Social media obviously is used for a lot of good, but it's also used by bad guys. And it was used by them the second it was opened up. So the moment that the internet was uh, opened up to consumers and for people to create their own websites and for people to create their own forums, bad guys immediately got on there because it just made things easy. After these interviews, Azim was surprised by what his team discovered. This man had a family and was living a double life on the dark web to make ends meet. On top of that, he wanted Cisco to believe that he was much more innocent than he was. While Cisco's findings clearly prove the existence of crime on the dark web, I couldn't help but wonder, is the dark web all bad? Here's Matt to explain. 
So I think when we talk about the dark web, the thing about the dark web that's really important is it exists to be anonymous. And, you know, that anonymity is the key to what makes the dark web someplace where people want to go to. And so everything happens on the dark web, everything from illicit transactions for people trying to buy, you know, maybe drugs or illicit services or personal information or things like that to people who are using it for free speech because they may live inside of a country that suppresses their ideas. And so they actually use the dark web for those good aspects as well. You know, I think one of the things that, um, you know, my analysts say is, you know, in the in the dark web, everything is possible. If if you have the money to pay for it, you have the interest to find it. It exists somewhere in the dark web. But should everyday individuals try to access the dark web? We would recommend to people that uh, you follow good cybersecurity practices when you're you're going to the Internet. You know, I'm not saying this is someplace that you never want to go to. But this is some place that you really need to understand what you're about to be playing with before you go there. It's going to have, you know, illicit activities. It's going to have free speech activities. And so if these aren't topics that you understand what to do with, how to avoid, how to stay away from, how not to get caught up in a social engineering scam of somebody on the other side that you're trying to interact with, this is definitely not your playground. And it's definitely not someplace you should seek out because you may come across materials that might be illegal in your country or could get you in trouble just by having access to them. It's safe to say that regular individuals should stay away from the dark web. But what about businesses and large corporations? Do their security teams need to have a presence on the dark web to gather intel and protect their assets and employees? For most businesses that don't have like really large security staffs, the dark web is just something to be aware of. The, there's potentially information about your company out there. There's hopefully nothing super interesting out there. There's probably interesting information about some of the people that work inside of your company, but it might not have a big effect on you as a business. If you're a larger organization and you have the resources to devote to at least paying attention to what's going on on the dark web, this is a great place to do brand protection executive protection, and even like, you know, corporate security credential theft protection by paying attention to what might be bartered or for sale in the dark web. And so you're going to want to look for, you know, keywords for the, your company name, whether or not somebody's trying to buy or sell X company's names, usernames and passwords, or information about his executives. And so if you're a security team, that's where you're going to want to be paying attention to what's happening in those marketplaces. There's been a lot more interest in companies that index the dark web. So there's a, there's a bunch of companies out there that have accounts in these forums, they index all the posts, and they help put all of that information together for companies so that they can purchase it and set up alerts around their company and their brands and their executives. And we actually have on our incident response team Part of our incident response process, you can use some of that to ask those types of questions of us for on your behalf. And we've seen a lot of uptake and interest for what we call intelligence on demand requests, where people are asking us, hey, what does, uh, you know, what is out there on the dark web about our company or our execs or, you know, what are people trying to sell in our industry that might be relevant to us? 
I asked Azim for his thoughts on corporations and the dark web. I think every executive, let's say, that's in charge of security must prioritize dark web monitoring, if you will, as part of their cybersecurity posture. If you don't do that, you're exposing yourself to quite a bit. Whether it's in-house or a use of a outside service, it doesn't really matter. What matters is keeping an eye on there and making sure that your customers, anything that you deem valuable to your company and to your business operations is constantly looked for on the dark web. So clearly it's important for security teams to be on the dark web, but once there, what challenges do they face? Here's Azim to explain. For security professionals, it's, it's, a, it's a place where the emotional and the human side of threats foster and emerge. And especially in places like forums where the ideas get constantly refined and updated and a thread, for example, that was started in, let's say, 2017 about a very, very major attack or subject or tool or malware gets continuously updated and mentioned and analyzed and repurposed. And that kind of thing for security researchers in many places is difficult to keep up with. We automate as much as we can on the technical side to keep our customers protected and to keep our company protected, but we can only do so much with the human side. The dark web is where that part plays out quite a bit. And to prioritize that is a challenge for many places, um, whether it's financial or talent-wise. It's just uh, hard to keep, keep cover on there. After learning more about the dark web from the experts themselves, here are three key takeaways. First, the dark web is an intricate part of the internet with multiple layers. While it is a place for anonymity and free speech, it is also a place for illicit activities and cybercrime. If you're not 100% sure about what you're getting into, it's best to avoid the dark web altogether. Second, many of the threat actors on the dark web are normal people who choose to do bad things. They can also extend their attacks outside of the dark web and onto social media which is exactly how Azim was put into contact with the Russian threat actor. And third, it's incredibly important for corporations to be aware of the dark web. Larger companies with adequate resources should have some level of dark web monitoring to protect its people and the brand at large. But while on the job, security professionals must always, always have their guard up. I want to give a huge thank you to our guests, Matt Wachinski and Azim Hojabayev for joining me today. And thank you for listening to C-Suite. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a rating and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm Claudette McGowan. Tune in for our next full episode on June 10th. And remember, with over 4 billion of us online, we have to do everything possible to keep ourselves connected and protected. <laughs>